Welcome to another episode of E-Conversations with NABE. It's our monthly podcast uh, where we try to dissect uh, the employment report. And I'm Ellen Zentner, NABE's uh, president this year. Uh, I was vice president last year with Julia Coronado being president. Now I've moved into my reign of terror and so uh, I'm going to be hosting eConversations, um, and today I'm very pleased to have Nick Bunker. He's the Director of Economic Research at Indeed for North America, uh, and uh, we're so pleased to have him because it's great to get the perspective of someone who sits on millions and millions of data points, Nick. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. my pleasure to be here, and um, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's quite a bigger data set than, say, even the employment report, or dare I say, any other employment data that we get from the government. I think it pales in comparison. Would you agree? Yes. No, uh, definitely. It's uh, always nice when we get to the orders of magnitude comparison. Um, there's um, a tremendous amount of advantage of sitting on data that large. So very excited to talk about you know, this government data, but also some data that we have from Indeed that uh, can complement and supplement. What we have yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's why it's really helpful to have you on this this call, because we certainly want to, you and I are going to digest uh, uh, Friday's payroll report where we got the November uh, jobs report, but then we also certainly want to get into the unique perspective that uh, Indeed has uh, on the employment data uh, in the U.S. So, so, you know, let's dig into the report. Um, you know, I was almost a little disappointed that it came right in line with expectations just about. I mean, 199,000 headline jobs created. I, and certainly there were some um, strike, uh, strike workers that came back, which helped boost that number. Um, but just looking at the headline count, were you surprised? Did you sort of have an idea of what you thought you'd see going into this report? No, I think like you, it was almost sort of... It well, it's maybe not quite disappointing, but it was, oh, okay, like, I don't have to uh, revise sort of my thinking too much. Um, now you should in any report, but it, it was very in line, I think, with expectations. Um, and that even though you had that strike effect, we're still seeing hiring that's, you know, robust for the current state of unemployment or joblessness, and also, um, at least in the long run, what we're seeing in terms of demographics and population growth. So um, it's, you know, it's nice sometimes to wake up to surprise, but I think especially where the economy and the labor market is right now, it was nice to get a number that was you know, pretty close to expectations. Yeah, especially because this number comes in on a Friday. Uh, and I was traveling at the time, so I, I was pleasantly surprised uh, that it came in about in line with expectations. Now, as you said, that's a really robust number. Um, if you step back, though, and look at a chart of monthly job gains reported by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, you, know, you can clearly see the slowing trend. It doesn't matter um, if you look across um, total, total jobs, uh, private uh, jobs, services and goods jobs within that. It's, it's all sort of been slowing um, since the start of the year, and that's good news for the Fed. Um, and, uh, but also robust enough that, you know, you're not pointing to that saying, oh my gosh, you know, sort of support for the economy, support for the consumer would be, would be falling off a cliff. Um, you know, in terms of the unemployment rate, um, it was 3.9%, right? And so it had risen quite a bit from 3.4% uh, low. And then we gave up some of that in this report and moved back down to 3.7%. Were there any things that you, that you, picked apart in there that kind of explained why it fell or that stand out? Yeah. So I thought, you know, as you mentioned, we had seen the unemployment rate drifting up over the last few months. 
and it was you know getting people a little bit nervous as you know upward sustained upward rise in unemployment rate is not a good sign for the economy or the labor market. But what's notable is that it looked like a fair amount of that increase, at least prior to this report, was from folks coming from non-participation, so people who didn't have a job and aren't actively looking, were sort of joining the sidelines. And it wasn't as though the rise in unemployment was coming from people necessarily losing their jobs at elevated rates. So it didn't look like it was really being driven by layoffs. And then in this report, we saw a sort of, the unemployment rate went down for good reasons, um, which is always a a fun way to, a fun thing to say to people who don't know this report well, because they get very (laughs) confused. Um, It went down for the good reasons and that you actually saw the share of workers, um, sort of share of unemployed workers who found a job ticked up and the rate of people who had a job moving into unemployment actually ticked down. So it was a sign, I think, not only of that this recent rise has been reversed, but there, there's you know, potential for the unemployment rate to stay low because there is a lot of hiring uh, happening and at least in this date and other, you can see layoff rates. Seem yeah. To quite and low. I think overall, it's been really surprising. Even if the unemployment rate stayed at 3.9%, that's still historically very low. And, you know, let's talk about Claudia Som for a moment. So Claudia is a member of NABE. Um, she's a phenomenal economist. Um, she developed the SOM rule, which she's been, at times, when it comes into play, she's super popular. And so the SOM rule describes that if you take the three-month moving average of the unemployment rate and compare it to the same three-month average one year prior, when it is about 0.5 or higher, it tends to precede recession or be that sort of recession signal. And with the October employment report, it stood at 0.33. So it was getting very close to triggering. And it is a really tried and true indicator. Uh, And so the media captured that. um, uh, A good deal of incoming questions economists were fielding around, what do we make of this? And even Claudia went out on media and said, wait, 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 you know, Um, Every indicator can have some drawbacks, and what you have to look at is why is the unemployment rate moving? And so this is something that you alluded to, right? Even when the unemployment rate had risen to 3.9%, it was because labor force participation had picked up quite a bit, which is a good thing. It shows more balance in the labor market. It shows heat coming off the labor market for the right reasons, not because job gains are falling off the map or, or, or cratering. And so certainly with the unemployment rate having moved back down to 3.7% uh, um, in that latest report, um, that is something that, that held the line and, and pushed that SOM, the sort of the SOM trigger um, back down. So we can all breathe a, a sigh of relief. Um, but rest assured, it's a, it's a fantastic indicator and it will trigger at some point, but it's gonna be when the labor force participation is not is not rising. Um, so let me turn to something here um, that kind of draws on what I said at the beginning, and that is that Indeed has millions of data points. And you know, we think of something like government data having really large sample sizes, but does it really? I mean, there are many cases where sample sizes can be very small. I mean, think about average hourly earnings within the BLS report. That is a very small sample size. Um, and so um, I think almost just as important as just getting this headline number, okay, we created, uh, uh, you know, we know that we created 150,000 jobs revised in, in October, we created 199,000 jobs in November. What's important, though, is what's driving that, right? That's a net new number. So we don't know 
where is it more people uh, hired versus less that were laid off? Like, what do those flows look like? So we got the JOLTS data. You want to remind people what that stands for and, and how that relates to sort of, of, you know, how can Indeed help there in terms of helping us understand the flows? Yeah. So uh, JOLT stands for Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey. Um, so sexy title. Sorry? A very sexy title. Yes. It's um, it's the sort of thing that people see and it's it's clickbait, frankly. People can't um, help themselves. They have to go look at it. Check it out. Um, it's also one of those acronyms. It's like ATM machine. Sometimes people are like, oh, the JOLT survey. Like, well, the S is the survey. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think where, uh, where Indeed is, I think, really helpful when it comes to understanding what that report is trying to capture is the JO, the job openings part. Um, so we we're just talking about the November jobs report. The data we got from Jolts is for October. Um, so the job right. openings number, which if if you've heard a number from Jolts, it's probably that job openings number. Mm-hmm. That's for the last uh, day in October, so last business day. Um, so that tells us what happened in the October employment report. So it's yes. lagged by one month. Yes. Still very important to know those flows, but it's lagged. Yes. And it's, um, I think it is, it gives, a, it adds more detail. Um, if you've heard another number from the, the JOLTS report, it's usually the quits rate, um, which to your point about what we get in the jobs report is net new jobs added. What the quits rate can tell you is about, you know, some of the hiring that might not show up in the job, wouldn't show up in the jobs report because it could be just people who already had a job and them switching mm-hmm. their jobs. Um, and that's, I think, what the quits rate has been a really nice indicator on, um, has been, I think, useful for, for, for uh, quite a yeah, few it's years. Really ni- it's really nice to know that people are quitting and going to new jobs voluntarily because that churn means there's a lot of confidence in the labor market and it's very mm-hmm. strong. And so is that quits rate. It, correct me if I'm wrong, but that quits rate as it's coming down it means there's less churn, maybe less confidence, less ability to move between, between jobs and would be an indicator of slowing. Yeah, and I think it's um, it has moderated quite a bit. You know, it, it really jumped in 2021 uh, and has come back down to earth. Uh, and in fact, over the last four months, it's come at 2.3%, which was what it was on average back in 2019. So okay. if you're looking for a measure of the labor market that you know really showed a lot of the uh, big pickup in churn, big pickup in sort of fervent hiring as we had that initial sort of post-vaccine fiscal stimulus surge, um, it's come back down to earth and sort of moderated and gotten back to where we were sort of pre-pandemic. Okay, um, so norm- normalization. But what about openings? Now, Jolt, everybody goes straight to the openings data. Mm-hmm. And if I recall correctly, I mean, the, the job openings had been coming down, according to Indeed, sort of before the official data from Jolt was showing it. Um and yet job openings do seem to have come down a good deal in, in jolts. But is that is that jiving now with Indeed? Like what is the Indeed data telling you compared with what you're seeing in jolts? Yeah, so I think um, you are correct that our sort of job postings index, which is our measure of trying to see um, the number of job postings on the site, um, on the Indeed platform, uh, how that transpires. And that's a daily measure. Um, and that peaked at December 31st, 2021. Um, has been slowly moderating since then. The JOLTS openings data, that peaked in the March data. Um, and what you can do is if you, um, I'm doing a great thing here, which is I'm describing a graph um, on an audio medium. So it's super useful. Uh, but if you basically look at the trend from the January, 2020 through now, the JOLTS openings data and are indeed job postings data track each other quite well. 
um, with two main differences. With two differences, one is that visual state is more volatile. It has mm -hmm. um, it bounces around more. To your point about sample sizes, some of the, some mm -hmm. government data, uh, the sample size may seem large, but um, data like ours is very very large. Um, and also the timeliness. Mentioned this is mm. data for openings at the end of October. Uh, the most recent data um, that I have is for December 1st. So not Well, now month. that's exciting. So now you've teased it. I want people yes. to, you heard, you heard it at the NABE podcast first. So, yes. so what are you seeing then? Because you've got a whole nother month than the government. And so have you seen job openings continue to fall? Like how, how does that look? Yeah, so it is continuing on the trajectory basically we've seen for the last few months, which is a, a um, continued you know, slowdown or moderation in postings, but but very gradual. Um, so it is not you know indicative of a huge decline in job openings, sort of like not a sudden sort of falling off the table, but this continued sort of glide path down. Um, so if you were to look at our data through the end of November, which would be the November jolt report, which we won't get until next year, you'd see um, a number that's a, you know, a little bit sort of, um, I'm unfortunately blanking on the specific number here, but a couple hundred thousand below what we saw in the, right. um, the most recent report. So again, suggesting a level of openings, uh, sorry, level of postings that's about 25% higher than it was pre-pandemic. Um, so it's come down quite a bit. It's down probably in the vicinity of 15, 60% year over year, but still quite okay. elevated. But that's really important, right? You wanna to continue to see, I mean, basically it tells you the trend is solid, right? Things are slowing, but not falling off a cliff. Exactly. And uh, yeah, the day we have a NAE podcast and you tell me that it looks like openings are falling off a cliff, that that's it, I'm gonna change my recession probability, probability call. Um, it's so funny for you to say we won't get November jolts until next year. That sounds like it's forever. That's yes. only a couple of weeks. It's only a couple of weeks till next year. I just can't believe it. Um, so let's talk about something else that's really important here um, uh, to the Fed in particular are wages, right? Mm -hmm. Wage growth has been slowing um, and we don't get a whole lot of detailed dynamics in the payroll or the official government statistics in terms of what's driving that slowdown. We just know that wage growth is slowing. Um, and so, you know, digging into the details that you all get on wage growth and sort of the drivers there, what are you seeing? Yeah. So uh, much like how we can track the number of job postings on our platform, we also take a look at what's happening to the wages and salaries that are advertised or offered in those job postings. Um, and we're, we, we track that in a measure we call the Indeed Wage Tracker, um, which is you know, year, over year, year over year growth in that. And similar to what we're talking about with openings and postings, um, that measure um, has been receding for quite some time. It peaked in January of 2022, um, so a bit before some other measures of wage growth. Uh, and its peak was really a sign of just how uh, much employers were competing for new hires because it peaked at 9.3% year over year. So it oh. jumped rapidly um, from where it was pre-pandemic, we're a little bit above 3%. Um, and now since that beginning of 2022, latest data that we have is now you know, uh, hot and fresh off um, the presses, which is the November data, um, a three-month annualized basis, three-month average of the year over year is 4%. 
So mm. it's come down from 9.3 to 4%. Um, so that's a, a very steep, rapid descent. Um, and we're on a trajectory that would get us back to, um, you know, the you know, roughly 3% average we saw prior to the pandemic late spring. Um, but I think if we get back to, you, you would get back to a 3.5% um, level of wage growth, you know, much sooner, sort of like earlier in the spring. Yeah. And, you know, from my perspective, so when I think, if I think about how policymakers would look at this, I mean, they've certainly, uh, more, the more wage moderation that we've seen, we've certainly seen their concerns over wage growth, perhaps becoming inflationary. We've seen those concerns wane. Um, and there is a rule of thumb um, at the Fed that when you think about sort of what would a, a normal, a range of normal wage growth be, it would be, uh, you know, um, uh, wage growth should should not exceed productivity plus inflation. And so if you think about that, then sort of a longer run normal wage growth should be around the three and a half percent level. And so even a 4% right now, or getting down to that lower range by the spring, as you say, that is perfectly normal. And that's the kind of progress that would reinforce how they're thinking also about inflation receding over that time. Um, and about these, uh, this better balance of supply and demand coming back in the labor market. So I think, you know, uh, you know, on balance, the data, which includes much more than just government sources, and indeed is a great um, example of that. And we do know um, that the the Fed broadly, uh, hungrily digests that monthly report from Indeed. That's my shameless plug for you all. Thank you. Um, and because we do, we do know this, um, and it has been noted to me the volatility in the JOLTS data versus yours because of the sample size being so much larger years as a smoother data series, but I'll just, I'll set that aside for now. So, so what does all this mean for the Fed, right? They're going into their December FOMC meeting. They've got to update their forecast uh, um, this week on Wednesday. Um, and certainly we saw that before the jobs report, um, the market was pricing in a prob like a 60% probability the Fed would deliver its first cut in March. And that's not so high that the Fed completely loses flexibility uh, around when they might start cutting rates. They've not made a decision. They've shown us that they're likely to cut rates at some point next year, but they don't know when. The 60% probability of March doesn't really lock them into March. But after this employment report, because the unemployment rate came down again, um, the market basically said, ah, there's not as much slack in the labor market as we thought. Um, and in fact, maybe this takes some pressure off the Fed to cut in March. And and for right or wrong, however the market digests these data points, and believe me, in, in second and third rounds, the market does start to digest the, you know, pick apart these reports, that probability fell to 40%. Mm. So there's really not a whole lot Chair Powell has to do on Wednesday. I think he can... Um, I think he can certainly note all the positive things that have happened in the labor market because it has all been positive. Uh, and I think he can um, choose how uh, optimistic he wants to express his views around inflation. Certainly, he'll say it's still elevated. Um, but, you know, he's got more degrees of freedom now to speak around what the Fed wants to do with rates next year. Um, but, but certainly, um, 
you know, what would be trigger points to highlight in terms of the Indeed data? Would it be if you suddenly saw in the coming months, if you saw not just an orderly slowing in the openings rate you were seeing, but something more worrisome like a sudden drop in openings, or would it be more just sort of the net hiring that that would imply? I mean, what would be your number one go-to to watch for in your monthly report? Yeah, so I think obviously, I think clearly a like very sharp decline would be concerning. I think what I tend to look at is not only the overall data, but some of the sectors that have been very resilient in our data, I think are good indicators of sort of, um, so the broad hiring intentions. So like the some of the broadest pullback we've seen in our job postings have been for like software development jobs, a lot of like white collar tech jobs. But what I tend to keep an eye on is what's happening to say a lot of healthcare related positions, mm. um, retail, um, our category is called food preparation service. That's basically a lot of bartenders, um, servers at restaurants. So I think if you start to see job postings for lots of jobs that are really tied to house, like immediate household consumption, if those start to tail off um, more dramatically, um, and they've been essentially level since this summer, they've not really moderated that much. If they really start to taper off, that's when I start getting nervous. Okay. So that's good to know. So anyone that's following Deed's monthly reports, like I do very closely, will know exactly where to go and look for any sort of signs of a possible turning point. But for right now, it looks like we're pretty solid on a slowing trend in just about everything in the economy. Um, and, you know, I have a feeling, I'm going to make a prediction right now, Nick, I'm going to make a prediction that our listening counts are up for this episode because people are going to see your name the indeed next to it and be like, aha, we're going to get some real insights. And I do think we've gotten some real insights today. So I appreciate you making me look good and Nave look good and joining us for this podcast. Uh, and uh, we will see you back here um, in a month uh, to digest another payroll report in the new year, fresh in 2024. I can't believe it's already here, but thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of E-Conversations with Nave. We hope to see you in Washington, D.C., February 14th through 16th for the 40th annual Nave Economic Policy Conference, oriented around the theme navigating geopolitical turbulence and domestic uncertainty. The conference will tackle policy issues through the pragmatic lens of business leaders and economists. Some of our headliners include Anna Amadi, Michael Barr, Mary Daly, and Philip Zweigel. For more information and to register, please visit nave.com slash PC 2024.